If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful air of Shabbos to all of you. Great to be with you again, to share some ideas, to talk about things that are important to all of us. Particularly in these challenging times, we are still broadcasting remote. And a huge thanks to Craig, the producer, and DJ and the entire staff at Chai FM for making this possible. What a feat to enable all of us, all your favorite shiurim, being broadcast remotely, but nonetheless bringing Torah to the airwaves, bringing Torah into your homes, hopefully bringing Torah into your hearts and minds, and making this a better world, a greater world, as a result of studying Torah. I just want to point out by... Again, emphasizing, despite the announcement of the president that restaurants and coffee shops will be open soon under certain restrictions, I strongly recommend and suggest stay away. By all means, by all means, support your local kosher restaurants and takeaways. Call them for your orders. Support them in every which way that you can, but stay away. I don't think it's wise to go into a restaurant these days despite the one-and-a-half-meter distance to sit there for hours on end sometimes, it is simply not the wisest thing to do. And while I certainly appreciate the need to kickstart the economy again and give jobs to people and bring back the economic situation to some sort of normal experience, nonetheless, I don't think that this is the wisest way to do it. As I said before, by all means, support your kosher outlets of food, order, takeaways, takeouts, whatever it is. But stay away in person. I don't think it's the wisest thing to do. So while we continue in this rather irregular, abnormal, or perhaps normal situation of sitting at home so much of the time, hopefully using the time correctly, studying Torah, reading, applying the message of Torah Chaim, the Torah of life, to our lives. Yes, it's a time of a great many questions, and those are questions that we must ask and hopefully get answered. But the only way we can expect an answer to some of these very, very difficult and deep life questions is by examining the source of life, which is Torah's Chaim, the Torah of life. It's not only a book of studying knowledge an intellectual pursuit. It's the actual connection with Chaim, with life as we understand it and we know it. Our very souls thirst for a word of Torah. And then they nurture the body. Not only are they themselves nurtured by the Torah that they hear, the souls, they actually nurture our physical bodies. And this is something that all of us need at this time. We need strength, we need power, we need health. And health is not only... By distancing ourselves, health is not only by wearing masks. Those things are incredibly important. Health is not only by nurturing our bodies by eating healthily. It's also by nurturing our souls. Not only are we spiritually nourished, but that in itself, physically, materially, nourishes us as well. The Parsha is Shlach. And whenever we read the portion of Shlach, I do it with a heavy heart. Because after all, This is one of the most puzzling, one of the most painful stories in the entire Torah. Yes, the Jewish people tested God 
a number of times. God became very angry. He became angry at their inability to express gratitude, to follow his very clear, precise instructions, and to do what they had to do. Many a time, Moshe has to stand up and defend the Jewish people against the wrath of God. God was upset. But somehow the story that's told to us in this week's Parsha is a bit more severe than all the other stories, most of the other stories. And that is when Moshe sent the agents, the Miraglim, into the promised land, the land of Canaan, in order to investigate the land, to see how best it would be for the Jewish people, for Am Yisrael, to cross the Jordan and take possession of the land, as God said. This incredible heritage, this incredible inheritance that he gave the Jewish people, promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that this land was purposely created as the home for the Jewish people. It belongs to the Jewish people from the beginning of time until the end of time. And that great and glorious moment is about to happen in this week's Parsha. The Jewish people are close to the banks of the Jordan, ready to march into the promised land. But Moshe says that it's important to do whatever humanly possible we can do in order to prepare the way, to pave the way, so the entry into the land will come with the necessary intelligence and the necessary information. He sends the 12 agency, 12, the 12 Miraglim, into the promised land to investigate what kind of land it is. Are the people strong? Are they weak? Do they have mighty armies? Are the cities open or walled, protected? What is the condition of the land, the agriculture, what grows in the land, etc., etc.? Questions that are absolutely important. But instead of coming back with a positive report of how beautiful the land is, that its fruits are huge, and with God's help that we will overcome whatever challenges, whether in a military sense or simply coming into land and taking possession and working the land, the agents come back, the Miraglim come back with a very negative report. They come back with a report that this land will destroy it. It's a land that will devour its inhabitants. And he frightens, they frighten the Jewish people. The Jewish people start crying. They don't want to enter the land. There is tremendous, tremendous chaos. And God says, because you came back, with this negative report, because you came back and broke the spirit of the Jewish people, because you somehow impressed upon them that it's unwise to come into the land that I, says God, promised you. You will march through this wilderness for another 39 years, 40 years. You will stay in this wilderness until this entire generation passes away. It's only your children, the children that you will argue that you're so concerned about they are the ones that will enter into the land. And we wonder, how is this possible? After all the incredible miracles that they experienced, after all the incredible miracles God showed them, how could they at this great moment of coming into the land, the fulfillment of the entire purpose of creation, how could they be so weak? And not only that, but how could these agents, how could these miraglim, who were considered to be highly righteous men at the beginning of the Parsha, each and every one of them, the leader of their tribe, men of great spiritual development. How could they, in such a short while of 40 days, 
turn against God's instruction, against God's will, and somehow impress upon the Jewish people not to enter the promised land. More of that soon. This is the Parsha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about the Miraglim. We're talking about the agents. What were they thinking? What were they going to do? After all, God gave a very explicit instruction, come into the promised land, take possession of the land. Yes, there might be some small challenges here and there, but why did they act so brazenly and incorrectly, defying the clear instruction from God and turning against Moshe, and indeed turning against the Jewish people, in fact, turning against themselves as well? So in order to understand this, and you've heard this from me a number of times, we have to go all the way back to the time of creation and ask a very simple question. Why did God create this world? After all, God is everything. God possesses everything. God is the core, the creator of everything. What was his intention in creating the world? And while it might appear to some that he created a very strange world, a world of higher spiritual realities, and a world, well, a physical world with all sorts of temptations and levels of darkness, and in fact, destructive elements as well, as we see. As we read throughout the beginning of the book of Genesis, and out throughout the book of Genesis, all sorts of evil societies, evil individuals who try to bring violence and corruption into the world instead of godliness. There was Noah, of course, who tried his best and in fact was rewarded by his own family, repopulating the world after the terrible flood. Abraham, Abraham, of course, who brought faith into the world and spread it throughout the land and breadth of the place where he lived. Isaac, Jacob, and the Jewish people, the tribes, etc. But by and large, there were all sorts of violent societies and individuals who tried to take possession of the world at might have seemed that God created two separate type of entities, a higher spiritual world, a lower physical world that was driven to negativity of violence and morality and unethical behavior. But at Sinai, when God gave the Torah to the Jewish people after their many years of being enslaved by Pharaoh in Egypt, Marching to Sinai and receiving the Torah, God made it absolutely clear that the purpose of creation is that there should be a synthesis harmony between the spiritual and physical realms. Yes, we live in a physical world, a world of time and space and limitation and agitation and challenges and confrontations and sometimes even obstacles. But in actual fact spiritual dimension is able to enter into the physical reality and transform to change that physical reality into something that is imbued with a spirit that is able to transform the negative into positive. This is the purpose of creation. The purpose of creation is not to have two separate realms. The purpose of creation is not to live in a world where you have the spiritual way up there and the physical reality down here. But there should be an interaction between the two. There should be dialogue, interaction, and ultimately transformation. The lower worlds 
rise up to the higher worlds to receive that divine strength and energy. And the higher worlds come down into the physical dimension in order to transform. There is this synthesis of greatness, a symbiotic relationship, one influencing the other in the most positive way. As we see in body and soul, not only in the world generally, not only within creation, in the greater perspective, but within ourselves, we possess a neshama, we possess a soul, we possess that spiritual divine energy that not only gives life to the physical body, but influences the physical body so that we learn how to behave in a proper way and we negate the negativity, we transform the negativity into something holy, into something which is positive. And this was the mistake that the Miraglim, the agents made by discouraging the Jewish people from coming into the promised land. Because they looked at the world and they realized that they were in a perfect situation on a daily basis, miraculously nurtured by the manna from heaven. They had water from the miraculous well of Miriam. The clouds that protected them from heat, from cold, from anything negative in the wilderness. They lived in a perfect situation. They were able to devote their entire time to spiritual matters, to the study of Torah. All their physical needs, all their material needs were absolutely taken care of in every sense of the word. And the agents being righteous men felt that if this people who lived within a spiritual reality, would come into a land where they would have to earn their livelihoods by physically working the land, they would be destroyed by that experience. Unless they lived in a perfectly protected, spiritual, miraculous reality, if they would confront the physical world, it would all be destroyed. That was their intention. Because they felt this people, this special people, need a special protection, and that is to be distant from the physical realities of a physical world. And that was their mistake. God said, this is not the purpose of creation. God says, you experience this at Sinai. I want an interaction. I want the physical to become influenced by the spiritual and transformed by the spiritual, not to remain locked away in some sort of blissful isolation where all their physical needs are taken care of and they don't have to do anything in order to earn a livelihood or to work at being alive. This was their huge mistake. This was their huge error. Yes, of course it's wonderful. Of course it's wonderful to be taken care of so completely. But the fact is, that's an immaturity. Can you call spirituality an immaturity? Yes, when it's not applied properly. A child has to be taken care of, fed, nurtured, whatever the child needs. But as the child grows older, you dare not, you dare not discourage it from doing what it has to do in a positive way within the physical reality, within the physical world. You guide them, you teach them, you show them, and from time to time you redirect them. But you don't allow them to be infants and babies. You don't allow them to mature properly and correctly. You have to get involved in the world. Yes, on a daily basis, of course, we start the day with activities of holiness. We put on film. We pray. Throughout the day, 
at Mincha time, in the evening, once again, we have times and moments that are dedicated to purely spiritual matters, and we should. But to the rest of the day, we have to reach out. We have to reach out to the world, and not only physically doing the work that we do, but spiritually reaching out, seeing those corners of the world that are still imperfect. If there are individuals who need our guidance, who need our help, who need our example, who need our teaching, we must reach out to them. We do not lock ourselves away. We do not hide away in a monastic reality. We go into the physical world, interact, we connect, we create dialogue and conversation along positive terms. We teach, we show, young and old, in every sense of the word, not only chronologically, but in terms of study as well. And this is something that the Miraglim erred on. They wanted to protect the people, but in so doing, actually destroy the people. But more of that soon. This is the Parsha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. As we look at the end of the Parsha, as I mentioned earlier on, we see something that gives clear direction into this. There is the mitzvah of tzitzit. And if a male who wears a four-cornered garment, he has to put the fringes, the tzitzit, on each corner. And while, of course, that's a direct commandment, there are all sorts of wonderful insights into that idea as well. What does the four-cornered garment represent? The world, the four corners of the world. What do the tzitzit represent on the four corners of the world? Those are the spiritual dimensions that turns an ordinary piece of cloth, an ordinary four-cornered garment, into a holy object that we make a blessing on as we put it on on a daily basis. Can you imagine taking something which is quite ordinary, putting some cloth fringes, some blue fringes, on the corners? It transforms that simple piece of cloth, garment, into something holy. This is our job. Our job is to reach the four corners of the world in whatever sense you might think, geographically, conceptually, on every single level, to reach out to the furthest corner of the world and putting an object on that corner that makes it holy to inspire those who live there, to inspire the entire world with a tremendous sense of holiness, of changing the world into something that is better. Which brings me to this, this coming Thursday, please God, is the 26th yard site of the Lubavitcher Rebbe of Sainted Memory, and what did he do in this world? He did a great many things. But in actual fact, what he did is he put the tzitzit on the four corners of the world. Through his incredible campaign of sending out shluchim and shluchot, men and women, throughout the entire world to teach, to inspire, to uplift, to educate, to become models of greatness that have changed the world. Think about it. Hardly a Jewish community anywhere in the world that doesn't have the presence of the Rebbe Shluchim and Shluchot. And what are they doing there? Opening their homes, opening their hearts, creating education, inspiration for doing mitzvot, whatever is necessary to teach, to elevate, to educate, to make the world a better place. Something special happening on Wednesday night, the eve 
of Gimel Tammuz, the third of Tammuz of the Rebbe's yard site, the 26th yard site, there is going to be a special webinar with incredible speakers from around the world and locally who for an hour, an hour and a half, will talk about the Rebbe, his greatness, his achievements, what he's done to inspire us to be part of that incredible campaign of putting tzitzit on the four corners of the world, transforming that which is ordinary into something which is great. If you want to join that seminar, all you have to do is get the link. In order to do that, call Chabad House at 11 Double four zero double six double zero. That's o one one double four zero double six double zero. Or o eight two eight six two seven four nine nine. That's o eight two eight six two seven four nine nine. And you will be inspired. But remember what the parsha is all about. The miraglim, the agents, made a huge mistake. Instead of recognizing the incredible opportunity of not only the people coming into the promised land, but in so doing, transforming the entire world into a place of holiness and greatness, they were punished by having to remain in the desert and passing away in the desert, they and the entire generation. This was not what God wanted. God wanted them to come into the land, to work the land, to transform the land to plow the land, to seed the land, to harvest the land. This is what God wanted to do it in the proper way, based upon the instructions of Torah and Mitzvot. And this is why in the parish we read about when you come into the land, this is how you have to deal with the physical realities. That's the ultimate purpose. The ultimate purpose is to synthesize the spiritual and the physical to make the world, the entire world, the furthest corners of the world in every sense of the word, a more spiritual place. And this is what the Rebbe achieved to a great degree. But all of us, to continue in our own way. We know somebody, share something. We know something, educate somebody else with that information. doesn't matter how far that person is. Let me tell you a story with this on the end. I spoke to a friend of mine overseas who tells me the following story. Every Friday night, Shabbat, before Shabbat maybe, his entire family gets together on Zoom with a number of Zoom friends. And every single time on this Friday, Zoom get together, he says they all have their wine and their candles and their kiktus, their chalas, and they make the blessings, etc., etc., etc. And he says, these are people who never, ever walk into a shul, ever. I know them all my life, he says. Never walked into a shul. If you came to their home on a Friday night, you wouldn't see the candles, you wouldn't see it cup of wine, you wouldn't see the kidneys. But suddenly this time, this reality brings them together, not only physically in the Zoom sense of the word, but spiritually as well. They all stand around their own tables at home, and they do the right thing. This is the idea of transforming the world. Here's an opportunity of people who never came to shul, suddenly aware of their Yiddishkeit. So when you're reading the Parsha tomorrow, listen to the story carefully. It's a story that's, well, puzzling, hurtful, but it has a positive twist to it as well. We can transform the world. God gave us that strength. God empowered us. He gave us that energy. We can make this world a better place. Despite the difficulties, despite the current situation, we can make this world a better place. Take it upon yourself. This is your responsibility 
This is your task, the chalice.